0: Hi, I'm Talissa and I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will
1: contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome Welcome to to Transatlantic Crime. Crime. (laughs) Same place. so i had a few things <laughs> i wanted to talk about <laughs>
0: okay hi welcome to the podcast oh, <laughs>
1: sorry my brain again is just like a piece of shit so yeah i
0: wanted to say that we got through the post well i got through the post today
1: a bake well pudding
0: <laughs> i'm so jealous i just saw you posting that on instagram and I'm so oh, jealous. Right.
1: The guy who delivered it knocked on the door so fucking hard this morning. Like, I'm not joking. It was like he was trying to kick the door in. And I was just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, a lovely gift. Yeah, so, so I opened it and there's a card in there. And it's got like the Bakewell Bakery, a picture of the bakery. And then it's turned it over and it just said, "Um, just FYI, love a podcaster. Uh, sorry, love a Aww. podcast fan. And it's basically because um, last week we were discussing the town of Bakewell in Derbyshire, which is where my guy uh, was wrongfully imprisoned. And um, uh, we were talking about Bakewell. And when we talked about Bakewell tarts and we didn't know if it was the same thing. And yeah, apparently somebody took on bridge and was like, that's not the same thing. (laughs) Like a Bakewell pudding and a Bakewell tart are completely different. Really? I can attest to you. It's totally different. So it's like the size of like a seven inch personal Domino's pizza. Like, for reference. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit like bread and butter pudding, if you ever had that. And it's in a pie crust. Okay. But really, really sweet and, like, caramelly. Like, it's fucking nice.
0: Is there, like, a cherry? Any kind of cherry element? There's no cherries
1: anywhere. And (laughs) um, there's no... Oh, I just think there's almonds in it. I don't know. I'm going to have to Google what's in it. But, yeah, fucking lovely.
0: How did they get your address?
1: So it's a podcast listener who is also a friend... Okay. So that's how they name my address.
0: Good. It wasn't just some <laughs> creepy person who was like, here's some
1: food. Uh, uh, to be fair, I wouldn't really, wouldn't really mind. Um, if you want to send me anything, <laughs> let me know. I'll give you my address. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, that was a very, very lovely gift and educational. And I thought it was a really nice way to correct someone. Just send them delicious food.
0: So yeah. Send snacks anytime you want to correct. Even if it has nothing to do with food, if you send snacks along with it.
1: You were wrong. P.S. Here's food. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way to do it for anyone. It's called a shit sandwich, isn't it? So you go compliment what someone did well, then the negative, then you end off with another compliment.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: That's the way to do it. What else did I want to talk to you about? should start writing notes.
0: I do a little bit. Okay. So I went to a wedding this weekend in Minnesota. It was very... Rowdy? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I mean, like, it, it was safe. Socially distancing and stuff. That, but, like, people wore masks when we had to get food and, you know, we had our temperatures taken, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyways. I got to catch up with my cousin Sam, who is a listener. Mm, That's fun. She told me so every Monday, our podcast comes out. Yeah. And then, uh, so she listens to us. And then this YouTuber, her name is. Oh, is it The Makeup Lady? It's The Makeup Lady. (gasps) I've posted,
1: I think, I think I've posted about her on the socials. I love her. Yes. She's great. She's
0: great. What's her name? We should uh, probably give her a shout out. Bailey Sarian, I think. Yeah. And last week she had Nancy Grace on her episode like as a guest. If you
1: could see my face right now. <laughs> I know
0: that was I was I had the same face <laughs> when Sam told me, What? Do you, did Nancy Grace do a makeup?" I think that they were zooming to each other. I still have yet to watch it, but I was just like, "Oh my gosh." Well, that's what that's I'm doing amazing. as soon as we finished. Because yes. what did that <laughs>
1: fucking maniac have to say for herself? <laughs> Who who was she sending to the electric chair with zero to no evidence?
0: (laughs) We'll find out. Yeah, I just thought that was amazing. So thank you to Sam for letting me know about that. Oh,
1: big props to Sam. Yeah, definitely. Well done.
0: So that was my little thing. And then, oh, the other thing that I have on our notes Mm -hmm. is thank you to our latest Patreon supporters.
1: Oh, well, I didn't know if we were doing it at the end or the beginning, but I'm so happy. I think we should just do it now because
0: yes me too it
1: fills me with a glee you cannot yes like a little bit of we comes out every time i see an email (laughs) that says you have a new patreon it's so exciting it's for fucking pair of bozos like us it's like the most exciting thing that's ever happened (laughs) that i can't tell you how much it means to me they are lucy Mm -hmm. and ruth yes Lucy and Ruth, you're heroes, you're amazing, and we love you forever. You have my undying love as per the contract. Great and girls. You get a sticker. And you get a sticker, which fuck, I totally forgot to do that. I Lucy, I'm so sorry. I will do that for it's you. Coming. I think I've already it's sent coming. Ruth one. But yeah, I will do that for you. Thank you. I had one more thing I want to say to you as well. Um I have spoken to some people recently who've listened to the podcast. And like a yeah. common bit of feedback that I get is they're like, Rachel's really sweet and nice. Like, doesn't she care that you're really vulgar? And I'm like, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, of course she fucking doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, you guys don't know that I'm half English. So secretly I have it inside of me. I just don't let it come out. I'm like,
1: also, she is like a dirty swearing sailor bitch. Like, you just don't (laughs) know her. Like, she's on Best Behavior or the podcast. Like,
0: It'll come out.
1: She's not a nun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, definitely not.
1: mean to be fair you do not swear as much as me that's true and you don't tell disgusting stories as much as me apart from like well you did tell that one about people getting blowjobs on the beach but then you were like oh I don't want to tell
0: you I was like (laughs) get it out now (laughs) you know the reason why I'm really self-conscious about it is because a lot of my family members listen do they yeah my cousin and now after this wedding I know a couple of my aunts are gonna listen yes Rachel promotion (laughs) pushing it on everyone yeah do um, it but that's one of the reasons why is not for like swearing but like dirty stories I'm like <laughs> it just makes me self-conscious about that
1: <laughs> I won't bring up the simian thing then and how I didn't know what that was but you did <laughs> now who's the dirty one <laughs> so um yeah that was that was the last thing yeah two two separate people have been like oh no my friend um so my friend Dan was like does Rachel not care that you're really, like, vulgar? And I was just like, I'm going to ignore that question. And then I just didn't answer. And then um, my friend Jenny said, do you know what? She was like, do you know what really makes me laugh about the podcast? I was like, what? And she was like, you'll tell this, like, long, funny, gross, disgusting story. And Rachel just go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> because I'm just enjoying the sound of my own fucking voice so much. <laughs> it might as well be a cardboard cutout sometime <laughs> so yeah and just
0: inject like i just step away while you're talking and then later on i'll just edit in my response yeah
1: <laughs> i i really i don't need to hear this again
0: so. no i love your stories <laughs>
1: thanks mate yeah. i know you do i didn't even think of it until those people brought it up <laughs>
0: It's really weird. I'll try and let my dirtier side come out sometimes. Don't change
1: who you are, Rachel, for those people.
0: (laughs) Same to you, Talissa.
1: (laughs) I fucking won't. Fuck them. No, I'm joking. I love them both dearly.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: Again, thank you. I have to stop stop telling listeners to fuck off. (laughs) It's not big. It's not clever. Right, so this week is our 25th episode.
0: Yes, good job. It
1: takes a lot of effort to do this podcast, And people are like, oh, that must be a lot of work. But I'm just like, it's the highlight of my week. If you saw what the rest of my week looked like, you would understand why this is worth it.
0: (laughs) I just love having, being able to do this every week. Like I think a lot of the projects that I work on are like, oh, we'll do it this week or this month or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's just really nice to have the consistency and obviously talking to you every week.
1: Oh, that sounded really genuine. (laughs) It is. Know it is. Yeah, like it's our catch-up time and it's just for us and it's like, nothing can stop us as long as we have internet and power and phone and a computer. Yeah. Nothing nothing can ruin it and get in the way, which I really, really like. It's kind of like an untouchable, sacred time yeah. for me and for you. So I just I just really enjoy that part of it. Like, oh shit, I have just dropped red wine on my curtain. <laughs> okay, oh, no. whatever. It's covered in mould. <laughs> um, Yeah, 25th episode. And so we decided to do a special theme, which... Is the switch through? So you're going to do a UK case and I'm going to do an American one.
0: Yeah. Should we do it in accents? No, no. we shouldn't. I, <laughs> I mean, hold that up for the whole time. <laughs> I really want to hear yours.
1: Just do the first three sentences in it. okay? First three sentences, we'll do in each other's accent.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Deal. And then
1: immediately stop because no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No. Okay. So I'm going to crack on because this is. It started off as like 14 pages, and I had to edit the fuck wow. out of it. And like basically, okay. I, I cut out like a whole piece of the story, which is kind of relevant, but not. Okay. It's interesting, but it doesn't mar the story as is. Okay. So it's fucking massive. Um. So strap in.
0: Yes. So ready.
1: This week, I'm going to do the story of Larry Ray. Do you know it?
0: Okay. I don't think so.
1: Okay. Good. Um. So it's really, really. Basically, it's only just coming to the press now in February 2020. So I thought brand new, like barely anyone would have covered it, hopefully. Should be good. I thought if I'm going to choose an American one, I need to go like into the stratosphere of something no one may have done. Yeah. Because you guys are just, you've got all the best serial killers. So
0: with mine too, I'm pretty sure you will know it.
1: That's okay. Is it a classic?
0: I don't know if it's a classic, but I just feel like you've probably heard of it because there's an element of it, but we'll talk about it, but... Yeah, I didn't know about it, and uh, so I wanted to do it. But I'm pretty sure you and probably the UK listeners will know about it already.
1: Okay, but I'm cool.
0: excited to hear yours.
1: Yes. Okay, I'll, I'll get on. So Larry Ray was born in 1959, and he grew up in Brooklyn and New Jersey. And then I cut out a shitload of stuff, and then he gets married. So, <laughs> so that's why it jumps so severely.
0: Fast forward.
1: <laughs> Larry had married a woman... Oh, fuck, I'm not saying it in the right accent, am I? Oh, God, this is embarrassing. Larry had... No, wait. Wait. right? Let... Oh, you're making me laugh now. Right. Larry had... Now, it's too nasal. That's, like, too hard. Larry had married a woman named Teresa, and in 2004, she filed for divorce. Larry was given full custody of the children after police were called to their home on a domestic abuse call. You... (laughs) stop laughing at me that's my best effort (laughs) anyway i'm stopping it now really
0: good is it
1: oh cheers mate i thought you were laughing because it was shit um right their daughter 15 year old talia a bit close to my name for my liking yeah accused Teresa of abuse she later then accused her grandfather her cousin and her aunt of abuse and larry set up a website publishing graphic journal entries documenting the abuse
0: whoa
1: yeah he's fucking weird The investigation by Child Welfare found that the allegations against Teresa were unfounded. So psychologists evaluated the family for the courts and they said Larry was literally impossible to evaluate because he is able to manipulate and control almost any situation in which he finds himself, including a psychological interview with a forensic examiner. No matter how experienced that examiner may be, Mr. Ray is very good at what he does.
0: That's terrifying.
1: Yeah, that's like beyond Ed Kemper. Right. So they reported they believe Larry had manipulated Talia and her younger sister, who was four, into making up the abuse allegations. So as a result of that, the court then ordered Larry to give the children back to their mother. Um, He refused and spent six months in jail. Instead of living with her mother, Talia chose to live in youth shelters. So she was like, I'm not fucking going there, even if you want me to. So he's in jail in... 2007 he's out of jail and he was arrested for domestic violence in relation to his new girlfriend so this violated his probation and the government declared him a fugitive u.s marshals eventually found him at his ex-girlfriend's house with his daughter talia and rearrested him so he's been arrested twice and then in 2010 after serving six months in northern state prison larry moved in with his oldest daughter talia So she was living in a two-story residence hall at Sarah Lawrence College in Bronxville, New York, where she was a sophomore. I don't know what Mm. sophomore means.
0: So you have four years of college or university in America. It goes freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Mm. And it's the same with high school. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. So it's basically your second year of college or university.
1: Okay. So Talia told her housemates that her father was getting out of prison and he needed to crash with them for a while. Now, this is where I would say, no, thanks. But but I suppose when you're at college, like, you don't want to look like a fucking stick in the mud. So you kind of say yes to everything. You don't want to look like... And plus, like, even if you say no, what are you going to do? Right. I don't know. Like, my friend Sarah's had this issue recently with a housemate who, like, they all hate and he won't move out. And they literally are just like, we don't like you, move out. And they're like, but there's actually nothing we can do. Really? If he chooses yeah, to stay, true. you can't make someone forcibly homeless just because you don't like them. Right. So, yeah.
0: That sucks. Yeah,
1: sharing houses is a complicated... Although he has given his month's notice. Oh. Um, but oh, good. Talia just says, like, my dad's coming over. He's out of prison. So they're like, okay. Um, so he, he would sleep on an air mattress in Talia's room or in the sofa in the common room. Again, like, he's like 50-something at this point. Yeah. That's fucking weird. They're okay with it.
0: I think Sarah Lawrence is known as, like, very, like, feminine, like, mm. pro-women type school.
1: Really? That's yeah. interesting. Considering what happens yeah. in this story, that is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I think they have a male dean as well. I mean, so that's
0: okay, but...
1: I, guess, I think it would yeah, be more think... suited to, like, a female dean, though, if it's particularly feminist school.
0: Yeah, I Surely... think it is. Yeah. i got to check on that. But okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Apparently, her housemates were typical liberal arts college students. They were... exactly, Yeah. So they were mostly 19 years old, introverted and bookish, and a little bit like, kind of lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, who isn't at the beginning of uni? Yeah. <laughs> I was saying today I would like try and find a classroom, and if I couldn't find it, I would just freak out and not go. <laughs>
0: oh, same.
1: I wouldn't ask anyone. No, no, thank you. I'd like to see her not go.
0: I was so excited to start this class, and it was film production. And for some reason, I kept getting it mixed up and I kept like missing like every other week or whatever. Yeah. And so I had to redo it the next semester just oh. because I was too scared to be like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? And totally
1: fucking relate. I was exactly the yeah. same. Generation Xs wouldn't be like that. They would you be... Mean Gen Z. That's the one.
0: What's X? Yeah. Is that
1: like babies now?
0: They're above us. They were... Oh. Like 90s.
1: Okay. My brother Ben then is probably that, like he's like 43 now. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, so Gen Z or Gen Z, yeah, they are confident fuckers and they would just be like, I'll just yeah. Google it, I'll just find out.
0: Tell <laughs> me the information because I deserve it. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't have the crippling <laughs> self-worth issues that, that millennials have. So, and this is probably why all this happened, but um, so these are her housemates. So there was Daniel and he had begun exploring the fact he might be gay so he's in a little bit of a sensitive position right now so there's claudia there's claudia and there's santos who were both uh really struggling with depression and then there was isabella who was fresh from a bad breakup so this is just like emotional fuck pie like situation here
0: sounds like a bag of fun yeah
1: definitely a lot of sage being burnt in that house <laughs> santos had previously um tried to kill himself and Larry would tell the students they had come together because they all wanted to take their own lives. He said okay. that he could coach and help them, and he knew techniques to discipline the mind from his days in the army. But when you're you just listen to adults when you're you see adults yeah. as like this all-knowing kind of force in your your weird child slash adult place.
0: yeah, especially when they are putting actual time into you.
1: Yeah, it's really flattering.
0: they care and they listen.
1: You can't detect a creep. Right. At all, because your confidence is so low. You're like sucking up any attention you get. But yeah. Yeah. So Talia's, yeah. So Talia's boyfriend at the time remembers seeing Larry and Isabella reclining on Talia's bed. Larry was stroking Isabella's hair, soothing her. And he was saying, nobody's going to hurt my baby girl. That's what the ex-boyfriend of Talia said. Larry said he was going to start sleeping in Isabella's room, an arrangement that made Talia's boyfriend uncomfortable. Larry said, you're acting like I'm going to sleep with her, but I'm going to be sleeping on the floor. She just needs someone to help her. You don't need anyone to help you in your room at night.
0: There doesn't need to be any 50-year-old man in... 19-year-old. While you're at university. Yeah. At any point.
1: No just get out so yeah larry called isabella's mother the night before she was supposed to go home for a winter break and told her that he had found out isabella had been abused as a child by a family friend and if they made her go home she would try and commit suicide isabella's mum was really close to her and was horrified that she'd never known about this so instead of going home isabella spent winter break with larry talia and talia's boyfriend in a one-bedroom condo owned by Lee Chen, who was an old friend of Larry's. Sorry, there's a lot of names. Are you following? Yes. Yeah. So Talia and her boyfriend slept in the living room while Isabella and Larry shared the bedroom. He controlled... Yeah. (laughs) Not at all. Um, So he controlled every aspect of our lives once we were in the apartment, Talia's ex-boyfriend said. When we ate, what we did, and when we went to bed... Larry told Talia's boyfriend to stop taking his prescribed antipsychotic medication, and he was so disturbed by Larry, Larry's behavior that he broke up with Talia as soon as the winter break ended. Wow, he just, he just fucking laid a days out of there. Good for him. Yeah, good. Yeah. So Larry returned to the college apartment for the spring semester and would sleep in I- Isabella's room most nights. He would call house meetings in air quotes and house dinners, which began to be mandatory. Another roommate, Claudia, began having weekly counseling sessions with Larry. When Larry first moved in, Claudia really wasn't sure about him, but she started having weekly sessions with him, and then she was hooked. She told her friends she was schizophrenic and said Larry had diagnosed her. Just for the record, he had zero medical training.
0: Okay, I was about to ask that. Like, what basis was he no. helping these people on? Nothing.
1: From his own arse. Absolutely no.
0: <laughs> his own mine which was up his own ass his
1: his butthole that's where he was getting these opinions from (laughs) his
0: butthole yeah
1: so i'm trying to take on more colloquial americanisms for the switcheroo (laughs) so daniel then started having a hard time with his relationship with his girlfriend and that started breaking down and so he had nowhere to stay over the summer so santos and claudia told him to speak to larry they met up and they spoke for hours and larry just told him to dump his girlfriend Okay. He was just like dumper. And he said, Oh no, you're not gay. I can tell you that for sure. Well, thank thanks, Doctor. So he told Daniel to come and live with him and the rest of the housemates at his friend's apartment for the summer, and everyone agreed. So every morning that summer, Larry would blast the Who's Baba O'Reilly at top volume to wake Daniel, Talia, Claudia, Isabella, and Santos up. This is a one-bedroom apartment.
0: I actually really, I like that song. I love that song. I can just hear it right now. Mm. But hearing it every morning, this is starting to sound like a cult.
1: Well, Rachel, it may just become one. (laughs) So Larry was extremely generous and would take the whole house out for dinner, paying with a wad of cash that he always had on him. He also had a limousine, which he would call to pick the group up at any time, day or night. Where's that coming from? (laughs) Peter fucking string fellow again. That's a very English reference.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny story on that. So Will has a friend in Washington State, mm-hmm. and he went to go visit him because they were going to go snowboarding. Okay, because um, there's awesome mountains there and everything. Yeah. And when Will landed at the airport, his friend said, "Okay, I'm coming to pick you up." And Will was like, "How will I know which car is you?" Oh, you'll know. And his- <laughs> That's exactly what he said. He goes, you'll know. Five minutes later, this bright orange limousine drives up. Oh my God. It's from like the 1970s, like an old 1970s That's limousine. fucking cool. Yep. Yeah. He pulls up. Nice! His friend is sitting in the back, just opens up the door. He's, like, smoking. Lovely. And, like, all this, like, smoke comes out. (gasps) Like, fucking Snoop Dogg. (laughs) Yeah. So Will gets in and he's like, why the hell do you have an orange limousine? And so his friend, his next door neighbor, fixes cars. And he just has, like, a bunch of different cars in his backyard and garage. And the limo was one of them. And (sighs) Will's friend was like, can I just borrow this for tonight so I can pick up my friend from the airport? (laughs) Fucking hell,
1: I'd be all over that like a rash. Who is this friend? Is he single?
0: (laughs) No, he just had a baby last year. No, no.
1: all the best ones are taken. (laughs) That's fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, I'll post a picture of it.
1: I would drive that as my main ride.
0: (laughs) Wouldn't you? I know. (laughs) Yeah. You'd pick up all your friends in that. I don't think it was that fancy or fixed up. I've never I been think in a main limo. The draw was that it was bright
1: orange. That is a big draw for me. I mean, yeah. I've never been in a limo, have you? I think I've sat in one.
0: I have for, like, bachelorette parties. I'm like, can I
1: please sit in this just for five minutes?
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's my extent of... Can I just see?
1: they <laughs> like, all right, don't touch the leather. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, he would get a limo to pick them up, which is fucking bizarre. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes after dinner in the house, he would start a discussion with everyone where he would interrogate them in front of one another about anything and everything. And if one of the housemates did something that Larry didn't like, he would put them in the hot seat and question them. So it was anything that annoyed him, he would put them in the hot seat and ask them, like, why they did it and stuff. Yeah. It could be as small as breaking a plate, uh, but he would tell them that it was attached to childhood trauma. Daniel said he eventually would just make up childhood trauma to get to the session to stop because he was so tired. Oh gosh. This is so cold But then Larry, yeah. on the other hand, was taking prescription amphetamines, so barely needed any sleep.
0: Jesus.
1: Yeah. So Larry would make the kids sign confessions, telling him what they had done to harm him and his family. These included things like throwing out his checkbook to waste his time.
0: This sounds so stressful. Like, I'm stressed for these 19 year olds.
1: Oh my God. But oh, do you know what though? I was such a fucking dweeb when I was 19. I probably would have been like, okay, well, I guess if this is the, yeah, you would just go along with it. Cause like you haven't got Same. a fucking clue what life is supposed to be like.
0: Right. And you think that the stress is like, this is life.
1: Oh, well, I guess this is living away from my parents. Yeah. Um, Over the years. Larry would collect hundreds of pages of of confessions from the students, many of them used almost identical language, which just shows you that he was basically telling them what to write. One night, Isabella began kissing Daniel, and at first he thought Isabella was acting on a crush. But then a few weeks later, Larry instructed Daniel and Isabella to have sex while he watched. The sessions became regular, and Larry would sometimes participate. Once, Larry invited Chen, his, his friend the landlord, to join them gross yeah this is grim for the next semester claudia and daniel left to study abroad in england before leaving claudia sent an email to the sarah lawrence dean in it she said she was always wary of larry moving in with them but now she thought he was a sexual deviant who was dangerous and manipulative she then took it back saying larry's ex-wife had made her send the email so once school started again daniel continued to live in the apartment commuting to bronxville for class Claudia got on-campus housing, but still visited the apartment and stayed very close with Larry. Larry made, in air quotes, renovations to the apartment, which included removing the door handles from all the bathrooms. (laughs) No. (laughs) This is crackers. So after Talia missed the application for law school, Larry blamed Daniel for distracting her and told him he needed to confess. With everyone... Okay, it's him for this. With everyone sat around in a circle with Daniel in the middle. So Larry didn't believe... His denials and fashioned a garrote from balled up tin foil and cling film. So basically, there was little balls of tin foil in a long strip of cling film. So this is like basic. Like, come on.
0: You have to use the American word too, though. Oh, saran film. wrap. Yes. Yes.
1: So. <laughs>
0: saran t- wrap.
1: Aluminum foil and <laughs> saran wrap. You then. He then ordered Daniel to wrap the contraption around his testicles and penis and start twisting it. Ah. The metal cut off circulation to his genitals and dug into his flesh.
0: In front of everyone, too. In front of
1: everyone, round in a circle, and apparently, like, yeah, that everyone was just okay with it. No one was like, oh, God. So, Larry would regularly get Santos in a sleep hold and ask him, after he woke up from passing out, did the darkness envelop you? Um, once,
0: Sure, sure, Larry. Sure, it did.
1: Well, yeah, because you're strangling me. So. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite nice, actually. Um, please continue. So. Yeah, I can't,
0: I can't remember anything.
1: No, because you said you cut off the oxygen to my fucking brain. So, um, once after Daniel supposedly damaged the oven, Larry asked him to kneel and then stood over him with a knife and threatened to dismember him. So, as you can see, this is escalating Yeah. Uh, pretty severely. So, the event that caused Daniel to leave was when he told Larry he was still confused about his sexuality. So Larry made him put on one of the girls' dresses and collect some mail from the lobby. And when he came back, he made him penetrate himself with a dildo in front of the rest of the group while they laughed at him.
0: Oh my gosh, poor Daniel.
1: I know. So in in 2013, he left and got some housing on campus and he stopped returning calls and emails from the house. So good for him. He finally got out. And around the same time, Santos introduced Larry to his older sisters, Yalitza and Felicia. Yalitza was an undergrad at Columbia and started visiting Larry's house. And then Felicia, the eldest, had started her medical residency in Los Angeles when Larry began calling her regularly. Larry convinced Felicia that people were after her. So she abandoned her residency program and moved in with Larry. They began a relationship, talked about marriage and children, and Larry referred to both Felicia and Isabella as his wife. Yuck. So now he's got like proper followers.
0: This is truly turning into a cult.
1: Yeah. Towards the end of senior year, Larry brought Claudia, Isabella, Yulitza, and Felicia to his stepfather's house in Pinehurst, North California. There, he put them to work installing a new drainage system in the yard. Like, no one is qualified to do this. (laughs) Um, When they returned, Claudia, Yalitza, and Isabella began asking their friends and family for money, saying they'd damaged Larry's property. If someone asked me to dig a drainage system, I would damage the property, whether I meant to or not. I'd be like, I'm guessing (laughs) this is how you do it. Like, sorry if I fucked the yard up.
0: Also, he was like, oh, we're going to go to California for the summer. And then they got there, and he was like, yeah, we're going to start digging a drainage system that's your summer.
1: We're going to do some hard labor. Right. Uh Santos's parents estimate estimate they gave Larry more than $200,000 over the years. They were forced to sell their house to cover the costs. They went to the NYPD 3 times with their story, but police told them that there wasn't much that they could do if their children were over 18. Claudia's parents also alerted the police and were told the same thing. And then in 2017, the police conducted a wellness check on Claudia determined that she was acting of her own free will okay according to family and friends only santos tried to take his own life before meeting larry and since then isabella Yulitza and claudia had all attempted suicide wow yeah like so, uh, so there was a lot in there about that as well and like her parent, their parents came to visit them and they were like oh sorry um they said that they're estranged from you and like larry is their next of kin so like can you please get out
0: this is reminding me of, and I know we keep bringing it up, but The Vow and yeah. the NXIVM cult, where it's like everyone's adults. Yeah. But...
1: What are you supposed to do?
0: The women are being so manipulated that they think that they're making their own choices. Branded and
1: harmed, but told, told it's for their own good.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: In 2014, Claudia began working as an escort for $8,000 a night. I mean, that's good money.
0: <laughs> oh, that's nice money. <laughs> yeah.
1: Her website, Advertised Services... And she would give her profits to Larry in order to pay for the damage she had believed that she'd done in North Carolina.
0: So Larry was basically her pimp.
1: Yeah, basically. And I mean, they say $8,000 a night. I bet he, I bet like that's what they advertised as. And then if someone offered her five or three or whatever, he just, he seems like really fucking money hungry. Right. So Isabella, Felicia and Larry continue to live in the same apartment on 93rd Street, belonging to Larry's friend, Lee Chen. And... Santos and Yalitza were regular visitors. And then in 2014, Chen evicted Larry. He was disturbed by Larry's treatment of the young housemates and the renovations that he'd made, i.e. taking the fucking bathroom locks off. <laughs> so uh, Larry responded by countersuing Chen, and but Chen won the eviction case, although it would take almost a year to get Larry out of his apartment. Oh my God. So sorry to interrupt my own story. Me and Carly were watching this thing and it was fucking crackers, right? So someone bought a house in East London, And then they bought it to rent. So they went to a letting agent and this letting agent said, we will guarantee your rent for three years. So we'll just give you a lump sum of money now and then we'll collect Mm. the rent for three years. So if you sign the house over to us, we'll just do that. They did it. And then the guy broke into their house, changed the locks and just like started renting it out and not giving them any money. And there was like nothing they could do because they'd signed a contract whoa and so like they went to the they went to the house and the guy was just there and he was like get the fuck off my property they're like it's our property and then they called the police and the police yeah. were like nah, this is civil matter we can't help you it's it was mad and in the end what did
0: they do did they sue or what yeah
1: so they got an injunction to say like this is our property and we want an injunction against him so if he goes on the property it's trespassing and then it is a police matter. And he'll be arrested if he goes on to the property. So that's how they got around it. But it took forever and loads of money. Yeah.
0: Balls on that guy.
1: Pure balls. Like he must have known he was absolutely fine to do that. And the police couldn't do anything.
0: Wow. What yeah. a
1: loophole though. That that's shouldn't be the fair. kind of here.
0: Like if you could basically turn into a squatter here. Yeah. And for a full year, maybe it's two years. You can stay in a place and they can not evict you. try and evict you. But you could stay. You have more rights than they do.
1: But this is um, this is why I think a bit of vigilante justice is fine. You get a few blokes to go in there with a baseball bat and a mask on and scare them the <laughs> fuck out and then be like, I don't know who did it. I mean, I'm never going to own a house, so this isn't going to be used against me in court. But I'm just saying, like, that's what I'd be doing. They're like, oh, we can't do anything. I'd be like, yeah. I would be over there with a baseball bat, I'd be like, get the fuck out of my house.
0: <laughs> I'd be thinking of some, like, creative things to do, like, Maybe like let loose a couple of snakes or something. Yeah.
1: Dog shit on the dog shit everywhere. <laughs> or Tony Soprano it and basically he he buys a house on the shore and then he doesn't want it anymore and he can't get out of it. So he gets like his boat to park up near their house and uh just play Frank Sinatra like at deafening volume until they and then they call the coast guard and the coast guard comes out and they just turn it off. <laughs> like...
0: We used to live in a bad neighborhood in Saint Paul. Yeah. And sometimes people would blast their music and it was like rap music or whatever. And my parents would counteract that with playing like really loud classical music. Okay. (laughs) And it was the worst thing because neither person was winning this.
1: We're all miserable here. And to be honest, I'd rather be miserable (laughs) listening to
0: one song that makes sense on its own. Yeah. Oh, God. So you could do that if you want to get rid of your tenants.
1: I mean, the whole renting thing is mad. Like, we pay our rent on time every month. Yeah. But we don't have to do that. Like, it would take years to get us out of this place. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If I just decided I didn't want to pay my bills and my rent anymore, like, I wouldn't be made homeless immediately. Although it is, you know, it's a short-term... Uh, win because obviously then you won't ever get rent in the house again. But still, right, like it's just crazy. Like people are like, oh my god, I can't make my rent. Well, just don't fucking pay it then because there's literally nothing anyone can do about it. It's madness, right.
0: especially right now.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's been laws brought in saying you can't evict anybody until like 2021 20, in March. Yeah. So yeah, landlords are in a bit of a shit position, really. um
0: Okay, back to
1: the story. Back to the story. Yes. Uh, in September 2015, Larry created a website documenting Claudia's apparent confessions and the confessions were this. I would poison Talia at least once a day and make sure her entire fridge was poisoned. I put mercury on her toothbrush. I began sleeping over in her room more and more frequently to accomplish this goal. I also put ar- arsenic and mercury in her undergarments. Um, she claimed to have poisoned beverages at dawn parties and... This was all on a videotaped confession on the website. So this is this is how the confession goes on the website. Claudia says to camera, I never stopped poisoning Lawrence Ray, Talia Ray, as well as Felicia and Isabel. And then Larry says, are you making this by your own free will? Yes, Claudia responds immediately. And you want to make this clear because of what? Larry asks her. Because I just want to tell the truth, she says. And after this video... He seems to have divided the former students. So on, in one house are Talia, Felicia and Isabella who are poisoned. And on the other side is Claudia, Yulitsa, and Santos, who Larry believes are poisoning them. Okay. So Talia, and this is like an update. So Talia no longer lives with Larry. She moved in with his stepfather in North Carolina, but they still talk almost every day. Santos and Yulitsa's parents haven't spoken to them since 2013. And according to one source, Santos spent time in Bellevue Hospital's Psychiatric Centre and then lived in a homeless shelter as recently as 2016. Isabella's family also haven't heard from her. Isabella hasn't seen her mother since Larry called her to tell her Isabella was being abused. But she occasionally calls her father to ask for money because her parents are divorced. Daniel finally found a group for cult escapees and slowly opened up to his roommates and girlfriends. He now identifies as straight. Claudia met up with a former employer and when she did, Claudia told him that Larry had strapped her to a chair and put a plastic bag over her head until she almost passed out. So the employer bought her a ticket out of the city that night. She turned off her phone and left without packing her stuff. And then soon after, she sought and received care. Two weeks after Claudia left New York, Larry was still trying to find her. And then this is the latest and final update. On February the 11th, 2020, Larry Ray was indicted by federal prosecutors for sex trafficking, extortion, conspiracy and other charges. He is awaiting trial.
0: Good.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But this has been going on since 2010. Yeah. But I suppose like it, it ramped up slowly, but. Yeah,
0: and I'm sure he still manipulated some of those people to think, just like Nexium guy Keith Raniere, where it's like, oh, they're they're just trying to get my money, they're just trying to bring me down, blah blah blah.
1: All the stuff I left out was that he, so he basically had like contacts in the mob. He was an FBI informant. It's <laughs> what
0: <laughs> he is.
1: Fucking maniac!
0: But was he to... lying about that? Or no. Are these things proven true? Nope, they are true. Whoa! Absolutely true. Like,
1: if you want to have a deep dive into him, the places that I got my sources from were the Cut. They like broke the story, basically. Okay. and uh, the New York Times. Okay. Yeah, and everything I looked at, like every other source I looked at, kind of, they were almost like word for word quoting the cut in the New York Times. So mine yeah. will be very much similar. But So that is the story of Larry oh, Ray.
0: Wow. So many twists and turns. I feel so bad for those kids, especially his daughter, who sounds like her brain is just messed up since childhood.
1: <sighs> he, he's like convinced her so hard to lie for him that like she vehement like
0: hate she- her mother.
1: Yeah, she vehemently gets up in court and like defends him and like all the time when he's doing weird shit she's like, Oh my god, yeah, he just knows this, he knows this. Like she just worships him. Whereas the others, like, I guess, have a chance to break free. And like, God knows what she's up to now. She's in his fucking stepdad's house in North Carolina, like probably wow. digging ditches. <laughs> mad. But yeah, I spotted that and I was just like, that is the story I'm doing.
0: That's a crazy story. I have not heard of it at all, but I'm gonna look into it.
1: There'll be a true crime doc on it, like in due course, I'm yeah, sure.
0: A new HBO doc.
1: Yes, please.
0: <laughs> the other similar similar thing to Nexium is the fact that It seemed like he was collecting, like, collateral... Yeah, confessions and, like... blackmail them, yeah. Yeah, and he
1: was monetarily blackmailing them. Like, the old employer that Claudia uh, spoke to that got her out, she stopped speaking to him because she asked him for 500 grand to give to Larry, and he was like, no. (laughs) So... They were all like begging and borrowing around their families and stuff and like threatening to kill themselves who didn't get the money. And Larry would go to their parents' houses and they would be in the parents' house and be like, yeah, this happened to me when I was a kid. Like Larry found out for me and like, why didn't you do anything? And, yeah. and then they would leave with him. Even though the parents were like, "This is mad! What are you doing?" Yeah, he, and it was, he was Madison Mac, you know, like in the Nexium cult, where she's just so obsessed with Keith that
0: right. anyone
1: anyone says against him, that she's just like, "Okay, well if that's how you feel, that's fine." But like, yeah. I know that he's right, and I know that I'm right, so
0: yeah, I'm so devoted to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's scary, it's super scary. This
0: episode is brought to you by HBO.
1: <laughs> I wish.
0: <laughs> yeah, they do great documentaries. I have
1: never. Also, they do The Sopranos, they do Game of Thrones, they Mm -hmm. do Set in the City. Okay, it's obvious time, but it was still fucking great. Yeah. Everything they touch turns to gold, so HBO.
0: My aspiration is to make something for HBO someday.
1: Rachel, that is not an unachievable dream. It can happen. You're a great filmmaker. You will make something for HBO.
0: It will happen.
1: It will. I'm sure it will. If that's what you want,
0: go for it. All right. Thanks, Talisa.
1: That's okay. And (laughs) thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) No, but I just think, like, um, we were talking the other day, actually, um, my gal pals, about self-fulfilling prophecies. Like, if you believe that you're never going to do something, then well, you probably won't. Yeah. I think it's like, isn't it like Benjamin Franklin or something that had that, like, quote? You see it on every fucking coaster and every fucking calendar of, like, (laughs) self-inspired, like... Inspiring quotes, but it's like whether you think you can or you can't, you're probably right.
0: Yeah, that's true. I believe that. I've been reading a lot about the law of attraction, as yeah, well.
1: the secret, and
0: then like what you are putting out is what you're attracting. Mm-hmm. So if you are always in, like, you know, you keep getting one bad job after another and you hate it, yeah, then and you think that you can't get out of it, then you probably won't no if you start believing that you can and that things can be different then you start seeing a way out of it
1: and the problem i have with it is that if it kind of sounds like if bad things happen to people that they bought it on themselves and like i don't believe that at all yeah but i do believe that in situations that just take a little sort of tilt in your thinking you can change your mindset to more positive and really yeah. go go for a goal wholeheartedly and then you're more likely to achieve that goal. Like that's how yeah, I feel about it. Right.
0: I've had totally. like three
1: glasses of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Believe in yourself. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: Believe in yourself. Is that a song? Um it's the Do you just make that up? <laughs> do you ever watch the do you ever watch that cartoon Arthur the Aardvark?
1: Yeah. Uh I've read I've watched Arthur <laughs>
0: is he an aardvark the, he's yeah, weird looking kid but i didn't think he was an aardvark <laughs> oh the beginning of that song yeah, is like believe in yourself, yourself. <laughs> There's a da, 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 da. that's yeah. the way to
1: start yes i do remember that i didn't think it was a fucking aardvark <laughs> <laughs>
0: well i was ten years old when i discovered that <laughs> yeah right your story okay. this week okay my story is the murder of Joanne Nelson.
1: Oh, I might know it. I might not. But either way. I probably will. I'm so excited because this swap is actually really cool because yeah. having to do it from your own country is it's kind of limiting. You'll see a cool story yeah. and you're like, well, not a cool story, but you'll be like, that's really interesting. I really want to tell that story. Oh, I can't.
0: Same. Yeah. We should do it every 25th. So next mm-hmm. one, we'll do it on our 50th. Yes. Like wedding anniversaries. Okay. Ah <laughs> yeah i can't believe we've been doing it for 25 weeks
1: oh mate honestly it gets me out of bed in the morning and i'm so happy we're stuck at it as well because it's be so easy to stop and i'm just not that person and you aren't right. either like same, you're yeah. really stubborn and determined and so am i so like it's a yeah. good match in terms of i don't know like tenacity basically
0: right that yeah. goes the same for our listeners they are stubborn and determined to listen to <laughs>
1: <us>. <laughs> through all the bullshit <laughs> They're going to say something interesting
0: any day now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll start being good soon. I it, just know it. <laughs> it's like smoking.
1: You just have to get over that bit where it hurts your fucking lungs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then you'll be addicted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's my British accent. Oh, yeah. First three sentences, please. On Valentine's Day 2005, 31 year old. Paul Dyson called the police to report his girlfriend, 22-year-old Joanne Nelson, missing. I'm going to stop there. That's my British accent. I thought it was finally convincing. I was kind of thinking of a reporter reporting it, so. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Okay. So Paul Dyson called the police to report his girlfriend, Joanne Nelson, missing. He told police that her car was parked up the street from their Hull home, the car doors were unlocked and her keys were missing. Joanne was a kind, pretty, and quiet young woman who met and quickly fell in love with Dyson. They bought a home together, and to family, friends, and neighbors, they seemed like a happy couple, planning to get married in the next year. First red flag. <laughs> How many red flags can you spot? <laughs> yeah. In this whole story, I'm serious. She was pretty and nice, one. Seemed like yep. a happy couple, two. Yeah, also, he was 31 and she was 22. They met when Mm, she was 19 and he was 27, I believe.
1: Yeah, a bit red flaggy. Um, Also, I don't know the story. Oh, okay. No, I don't. I thought it was one from Bristol, but I don't.
0: So there's two things that I liked about the story. One, that there was really good police work. Oh, good. Which is kind of rare. Yeah. In the stories that we tell. Yeah. And then another part that's coming up that i just find really intriguing okay anyway Ooh. so perfect couple happy couple to everyone else yeah joanne was ambitious and close with her parents and younger sisters katie and janie they were both teenagers Mm -hmm. according to dyson her disappearance was completely out of character when he called the police and the operator asked if they had had any fights or arguments dyson said no nothing like that whatever Red flag. (laughs) Yeah. He also said something so British. He was like, "We've seen neither hide nor hair of her."
1: (laughs) I love that saying.
0: Yeah, and I I would love to be able to say it with an accent, but I just the way he said it, I can't. Do you want me to say it?
1: it? Well, he's from Hull, so it's a bit of a different accent. But um, we've seen neither hide nor hair of her.
0: Yeah. yeah, that was very proper. You said it very proper. He says it with much more of like a, I've seen neither high nor have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A whole, um, I don't really know what accent. I think it's like
1: Newcastle, isn't it?
0: Like, is it near there?
1: Like a Geordie accent.
0: Kind of, yeah. Oh
1: God, I'll have to Google it. But I'll try and do yeah, an impression
0: next week. You can listen to his 999 call.
1: Oh, I hate listening well. to those.
0: It's just him saying, oh, we haven't seen her. I'm here with her parents. And we haven't seen her.
1: But have you seen, um, like, again, the Chris Watts documentary? I hate watching people lie. It really gets under my skin.
0: (laughs) This is what I find so intriguing. And we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. So Joanne's family were especially worried. Joanne never missed a day where she didn't talk to her mom. And Joanne had also missed wishing her younger sister a happy 19th birthday.
1: Mm.
0: police promptly began an extensive search to find joanne and her family along with dyson began a door-to-door search to get any information they could so two days after calling the police dyson went on to the local news giving a tearful interview and plea for joanne's return he told them how as it was valentine's day they exchanged cards in the morning he gave her a kiss and left for work she stayed in bed according to him Mm. He claimed that he did not know where Joanne was and that he just wanted her back. He said he, in quotes, loved her to bits and that he could never hurt her.
1: That's an English saying, I love you to bits.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you're not going to
1: say, I I love her to death. Definitely not saying that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a poor choice of words.
0: This is what I find intriguing. The same with Chris Watts and this guy, Paul Dyson, that the fact that they go onto tv oh mate that's cl- i think that's on the bingo isn't it i think so yeah but like if i do anything wrong accidentally uh, hurting someone you know yeah. verbally or whatever i'm laying I wanna low hide <laughs> i want to hide in a cave of shame yes. and not talk to anyone and just know that i'm a horrible person
1: mm.
0: <laughs> give yourself 40 lashes exactly but these guys go on tv cry oh my gosh i love her so much he had like actual tears but it's the psychopath
1: it's the attention it's like they want the limelight so badly and they just right also they have such blind faith in themselves that they think they are being believable they think they are great actor like they've got no lack of self-confidence like they their confidence
0: is sky high they think they're so convincing yeah so yeah he said he, he loved her to bits and that he could never hurt her police were unaware that dyson was giving the interview until it showed on tv yeah. they noticed that his story was almost the same as the one he had given them a few days before when he reported her missing so it was like almost verbatim mm-hmm. like oh we exchanged cards and i gave her a kiss and. Because I we couldn't spend time with each other because I had to work on Valentine's Day and It's rehearsed. It was Yeah, exactly. On one part of the interview, they showed a close up of Dyson's hands. He was clutching a tissue. This proved to be a clue for police who had not checked Dyson's hands up until then. Why not? I think they didn't think that he was a suspect. Yeah. Yeah, Just within the first couple of days. Yeah. They were like, you know, we were checking every. Maybe she got drunk and wandered off. Maybe Mm. she's with a friend and her phone broke, blah, blah, blah. So they're still thinking like she just disappeared and they don't know where she is. Yeah. So Dyson had small crescent shaped cuts on his thumb and fingers, similar to scratches someone might get from strangling someone. So it's like. If you have your hands around someone's neck, then they are kind of, you know, trying to grab at your fingers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Many of the people who saw the interview, including the police, did not believe Dyson's tears and questioned whether his emotions were genuine. Mm. So I watched this one. It's called a British show, Crime Investigation. Okay. On YouTube. And they interviewed one of their neighbors, Joanne and Paul's neighbors. Mm. And she was like, yeah, you could tell that the tears were just basically calling them crocodile tears. tears. Yeah. Yeah." So police began looking further into Dyson's life. They discovered, here's, just listen to all these red flags.
1: Okay. Right. I tell you what, when I hear, when I hear a red flag, I'm going to go ding, ding.
0: Yep. (laughs) So they discovered that he had previously been married and had a young daughter, the marriage did not last long, however, as the two would have blow-up arguments in public and Dyson would routinely choke his wife to the point of unconsciousness. Ding,
1: ding, ding.
0: <laughs> Which this is similar to your story where I found this really creepy. He would choke his wife as a joke and be like, oh, watch this and like put her in a chokehold and she would go unconscious and he would think it was funny. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. And other times he would just do it because he was pissed off. Like
1: my, like even when we were younger, me, and my brothers used to like fight. My brother would be like, oh, I'm going to put you in a chokehold. And I'd be like, ah! Yeah. (laughs) Hysterically trying to get out of it. But even though he probably easily could have, he would never choke me unconscious. Because even as like a fucking 12 year old, he realizes that that's unbelievably dangerous. Yeah, And it could go horribly wrong. So he's just like, threatening me with it for a laugh and goes and then, like sees me like like tell him to fuck off and then he's like okay fair enough i've had my fun yeah <laughs> like, doing it to the point of unconsciousness is so dangerous
0: the same i would fight with my my sister and i would fight a lot and i remember one time i Which like sister? pushed her sally the nice. next one down me. <laughs> But I remember and I think we were like really young. We must have been like ten and she's she's three years younger, so she was probably about seven. And I pushed her and she bumped her head on the wall pretty hard. Cool. And my my dad was like, You could have given her a concussion, and I felt so horrible. I it was just like just that. The shame. Alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to hide in a cave of shame. <laughs> And that was an accident. Even now when I think about it, I'm like, (laughs) I'm so
1: sorry. Oh, mate. Like, my my brothers, like, accidentally punched me in the throat before. Like, I was like, (gasps) (laughs) it's fine. Like, it happens. It's just kids.
0: Yeah, siblings.
1: Yeah, just brothers and sisters.
0: I mean, Paul Dyson was a full-grown adult. I don't want my
1: husband doing it to me. No. No. This is the whole, this is like the whole sex thing that we spoke about when they're like, oh, can I choke you during sex? No because no. how easily like how easily that can go wrong it's just simply not worth like i don't understand what people do get from right. it but you know right. people do get stuff from it but no it's not worth yeah it's not worth whatever i'm gonna get from it that's like oh can i cover you in petrol and hold this match near you no
0: <laughs> no you cannot let's just have a nice loving time what's
1: wrong with just normal sex <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway, this is really The Gen Zers will know. They're more confident about it. They know about consent. Like, they know (laughs) all
1: about consent. They're
0: fine with it. Okay, so here's another red flag with his wife. He even attacked her on their wedding night.
1: Ding, ding, ding.
0: Yeah. Before he was married, he had dated another young woman who claimed that he would pace back and forth during arguments and he wouldn't let her leave, hitting the walls in anger. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Dyson also idolized his father, Peter Dyson. This may not be that out of the norm to look up to your father. However, Peter Dyson had killed two people. Ding ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> he served six years in prison when, in 1967, he stabbed 22-year-old John Dickinson, who he believed was having a relationship with his wife. Okay. And when so, when Paul was born, he was only two days old in 1974. His father was driving. He was in a fatal hit-and-run accident that killed 47-year-old Gordon Kell, who was walking home from celebrating his silver <gasps> wedding anniversary. Oh,
1: God. Yeah. Oh, God.
0: He just hit him and left him. He left him there to die.
1: Jeez. Oh, Sorry, sorry. can can I do, like, a really quick sidebar? So, yeah. again, in the girl group, we've speaking recently about, like, oh, you know, how nice would it be to have a husband and a family and da-da-da. And it's just, like... My attitude to, to it is, you can have that, but then it can all be snatched away from you in a second because your husband yeah. could be run over by a bus or run over by this kind of maniac, or right. um, he could, you know, get cancer and die or whatever. So essentially, like, you have to be happy on your own because all you have is yourself. Yeah. And this is just one of those examples. That wife was like, "Oh, my life's so perfect. My husband's been with me for sixty years. Dead. Right. By some maniac." Like what also cracks me up about it is um, my step grandma. So basically, my step dad's mum is mm-hmm. ninety two, and she is absolutely hilarious. Like she will She grew up literally like in the in the war. She was like a land girl. Um, but she, <laughs> whenever I say to her, like, oh, you know, I called her on my thirtieth birthday, and I was like, oh, you know, I haven't, you know, I just feel like a bit sort of worthless because I haven't got husband and stuff, and she was like. You don't want to be stuck indoors with some cunt. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's literally 92.
0: <laughs> I love her. I know. You have to interview her for a bonus episode.
1: Oh, do you know what? That would be so good. Um, I'll, try yeah. and, I'll try and think of some things. Because like, she, uh, she grew up around East London, so maybe there's some sort of cray connection there, mm-hmm. like cray twins. Yeah. Um,
0: I love her. I want to hear from her.
1: Yes. Do you know what? That's such a good idea. I'm going to call her, actually, and ask her if she'd be up for some sort of... Um, Episode maybe we could put it as a bonus Patreon episode.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah. We're going to start doing that. She's good content. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So nice little sidebar to take away from the horrible things that (laughs) Paul Dyson's dad, Peter Dyson did. Yeah. So when Paul was older, he spent time with his father traveling to Saudi Arabia together to work in general maintenance Mm -hmm. while in Saudi Arabia in 2000. Peter Dyson had a heart attack and died, devastating Paul. Mm. Looking outside of Dyson's relationships, police found that he took after his father and worked as a bouncer at local clubs and bars, where he earned the nickname Psycho.
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ding. Ding, ding. I feel like some people are poor men and policemen and uh, security guards because they just want to be able to push people around.
0: Yeah. They love the authority. That was one thing that they said about Paul Dyson was that he really wanted to take after his dad, who was kinda known to be like a hard man and he boast about his yeah, about his fights that he got outside as a bouncer. How boring. Yeah. Get a personality. (laughs)
1: Like Yeah. Men are weird.
0: I know. There's more to life than fights you psycho.
1: Testosterone has a lot to answer for.
0: Well speaking of that Mm. Paul Dyson was also a competitive kickboxer and super into bodybuilding. He would train at his local gym where he was known to take steroids. Roid rage. Ding ding ding. Yep yep. Yeah. During police investigation they found that Dyson had gone to the corner shop the day before Valentine's Day. After checking CCTV and speaking to the shopkeeper, they found that Dyson bought cleaning products, rubber gloves, and trash bags. It's on
1: the car. It's on the bingo!
0: It is.
1: Fuck me! Buy them in separate
0: shops!
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh!
0: As police began closing in on Dyson, they found that he was speaking to friends, asking questions about whether you could get DNA from skin and how long fingerprints last. Google it! People talk! People talk. Oh, what a dickhead. (laughs) Yeah, he just sounds like an idiot. Finally, police had what they needed when Dyson's own mother came in with damning evidence. She told police that Dyson confided in his close friend and kickboxing trainer, Colin Allen, saying that he was having an argument with Joanne, who told Dyson that he was useless because he didn't know how to turn on a washing machine. Dyson got frustrated and strangled Joanne. With this info, Colin Allen went immediately to Dyson's mother and told her, who then immediately went to police. So Paul Dyson was arrested four days after calling in Joanne's disappearance. So it it was pretty quick after uh, she disappeared that they arrested him.
1: What an idiot.
0: Yeah. It took him another two days to confess to killing Joanne after police had presented Dyson with all the evidence, especially the CCTV thing and asking him, like, why were you... Buying trash bags and, uh, cleaning products. Bleach. Like, yeah. So, here's what he told police. He said, She said I could not switch the washing machine on, which I couldn't. He basically got frustrated because she said, You don't even know how to turn on a washing machine. And he didn't know how to turn it on. (laughs) So. (laughs) She was right. (laughs) Yeah, she was right. And... Another thing that they speculated was the fact that she was really ambitious and she she wanted to like move up in her career and he barely lifted a finger around the house and he didn't have a great job and he needed to support his daughter his young daughter For a previous and yeah so she they think that she might have said that she wanted to break up with him and it escalated
1: Well that's just morbid, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so he just could he just couldn't handle it. Also, I think it's so cowardly. He's a man who's like a championship kickboxer, does bodybuilding. You think you're so tough, coming at this twenty two year old girl? Yeah, and you're sobbing to police that oh she told me I didn't know how to turn on a dish uh, washing machine. It's
1: so pathetic. Yeah, so pathetic. Also, like- such a big man you're pathetic like you right. would never try and beat up a bloke like you would you think yeah. those people weaker than you and think i'm too hard
0: like oh, awful. i know so after he killed her he put her in trash bags and then he put her oh god in, he put her in the boot or the trunk of the car <laughs> the boot the boot and he borrowed his mom's gardening shovel and he drove searching for an isolated area to hide her body He told police that he couldn't remember where he put Joanne's body, only that it was somewhere out in a rural area close to a gate and fallen tree branches. Mm. At the end of the interrogation, he buried his head in his hands, crying. He said, good God, what have I done? Oh, piss off. Yeah. Joanne's disappearance and Paul's confession sparked a huge search, including hundreds of officers and volunteers, search dogs, as well as the army. It took several weeks after Dyson confessed to gather evidence to find her. While people searched the isolated areas surrounding Hull, police took forensic evidence from Dyson's clothing and from the car. So this is where, like, really good police work came in. Okay. They found some of the pollen on Dyson's clothes, and as well as some of the dirt on the tires of the car held evidence of you, Y-E-W. Yeah which is you tree it's kind of tree yeah yeah,
1: yeah. sorry to interrupt yeah. but an in- interesting side note there's a so you know the bbc is in the british broadcasting yeah. company so that is mm-hmm. like the network that in england you pay your tv license for those people to give you telly and it's just a really old-fashioned thing and it might be going out but anyway right Loads of people in the BBC were involved in a child sex abuse scandal, mm-hmm. and when they looked into it, after like Jimmy Savile died, I don't know if you know him, but if you're American and you don't know him, Google him, because Jesus Christ. But um yeah. they called it Operation U-Tree. Really? It, yeah. The investigation into all the paedophiles at the BBC, and it sort of like, I don't know, just like in entertainment. And TV, yeah. it's called Operation U Tree, and like whenever you say it, everybody knows that that's the massive scandal that happened and was about paedophiles.
0: Wow, I had no idea. Why did they call it after the U Tree?
1: I don't know. I really don't know. I think it was just so it wasn't called Operation Nonce Tree. Like <laughs> 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 Operation, Operation, Peda- Operation Pedophile Tree. Like I just had to call it something <laughs> subtle.
0: <laughs> wow. But yeah,
1: sorry to interrupt you again. Go.
0: That's okay. That's an interesting piece of information. I I didn't know. Obviously, I knew about Jimmy Savile and the whole mm. investigation and but all the famous people unpleasantness. And... Yes. <laughs> so they took some of the evidence from Paul's clothes and the dirt from the tires of the car held evidence of you, and that is rare in the north of England. Okay. So, using botanical maps, this narrowed the search area to a wooded area in North Yorkshire near Bransby, about an hour outside of Hull. Yeah. That's so cool! Yeah. On March 24th, 39 days after Joanne went missing, police were driving around this area and found the gate that Dyson had mentioned. Once out of the car, they followed the gate path, leading them about 30 yards down to a dip, where they found her body wrapped in bin bags and hidden under tree branches. The search for Joanne was over. Mm. So, Dyson decided to plead guilty to manslaughter, saying that it was an accident.
1: Ugh, they always do that. So annoying.
0: Mm. However, here's another... However, while he was awaiting trial in prison, he cut his wrists, writing, I'm sorry, in blood on the cell walls. Sorry for what, mate? Yeah, he just sounds so sorry for himself. Just crying on TV, crying in the interrogation room, cutting his wrists. Oh my god, I can't believe I did this. Fucking sad sack. (laughs) Sad sack. (laughs) That's an English saying. (laughs) Yeah. He was ultimately fine, but shortly after this incident, he changed his plea to guilty of murder. Good. Dyson's sentencing at Hall Crown Court lasted less than 20 minutes after he pled guilty, and on November 8, 2005, Paul Dyson was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 16 years before being eligible to parole. Mm -hmm. Joanne's family cried in court during the trial, and in their statement, they said, We feel sorry for Joanne and the life that she will miss out on. We, her parents, her sisters, and all those who loved her have been cheated. Justice can never be done because Joanne can't come home. No. But we do consider ourselves lucky and privileged to be able to call Joanne our daughter and our sister. So. What a lovely thing to say. Yeah. Obviously, they said more things about Paul, but I wanted to focus (laughs) that on Joanne. Yeah. P.S.
1: He's a piece of shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. As of 2019, Dyson, who is now 45, has served 16 years, and much to the disgust and dismay of Joanne's family and friends, Dyson was eligible to spend the next two years in an open prison. No! Yeah. Joanne's sister, Katie, told she's now like our age. Yeah. She told media, she said, it's awful. He can seek employment and go where he wants. We are getting anxious, thinking he will be there. He's not being set free, but he can come and go as he pleases. Katie also said that she wants to publicize Dyson's name and face in order to raise awareness of his crimes. She said, we want to raise awareness and try and help others too. We want his face back in the public domain to remind people what he has done. Joanne isn't getting to live the life she was owed, and he could do it again. The thought of him being sat in his cell thinking he is going to start his life now. We want to let people aware he is out walking the streets again. So that's the story of the murder of Joanne Nelson by Paul Dyson.
1: Wow. That was really good. And also, um, Dyson is a Hoover brand. Yeah, and they are <laughs> Bristol-based. So are they really? <laughs> yes, they are. So basically, oh, yeah. loads of people at my company used to work for Dyson, and loads of people at
0: Dyson used to work for my company.
1: Wow. Yeah, these Interesting. are these these are facts.
0: <laughs> these are well, he's probably n- in no way related to the Dyson company.
1: I fucking hope not. Like they are rich, yeah.
0: but. Yeah, and after reading this story and then seeing what her sister said, like, we want to put his name out there and let people know what he's done.
1: Yeah, we'll put his name, we'll put his face and his name on the socials and be like,
0: boycott this motherfucker. Right.
1: For all the 400 people that follow us, you don't know there could be someone involved with him. (laughs) It's worth it, though, honestly.
0: Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, 16 years, not even 20 years. That's. (sighs) that's the annoying thing with previous previous evidence that he treated other women badly you would think that's that the annoying thing they away for longer
1: but like punching a wall is not treated badly like I, I remember watching a domestic violence again domestic violence documentary and a woman she was beaten the living shit out of but hmm. none of the punches broke her skin because he was like hitting her with his fists. And apparently for the difference between like actual bodily harm and grievous bodily harm. um, So actual bodily harm is like ABH and that's quite kind of just like a street punch up when you're drunk. Or GBH is like stabbing someone, but them definitely not being anywhere near death. Or I don't know, like smacking their head off a wall so their skin breaks on their skull. Like for it to be GBH, the skin has to be broken. And so they were like... So
0: there basically has to be blood.
1: Yeah. And so they were like, oh, okay. well, no, not necessarily because you could punch someone in the nose and the nose would bleed and stuff. But okay. was yeah. their skin has to be broken. And, um...
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, the uh, Crown Prosecution Service were like, oh, they didn't break the skin so can't really charge it as GBH. And, like, the, pers- the police woman was like, have you seen these fucking photos? They are mental. Like, the woman's whole body is black and blue. But, um... Yeah. The Crown Prosecution Service were like, oh, well, we'll put it in for the maximum penalty. Like, we know it's really bad, but it's just technicality, blah, blah, blah. Like, how bad is
0: that? I know, it's crazy. It's crazy how, even here, too, they don't take it seriously when what well, is domestic, domestic abuse. abuse.
1: Yeah, because I think there's still that attitude of, they goaded them to do it.
0: Yeah, or, like, it's not as bad as what they're saying, or, you know, where's the proof? They just and- want
1: revenge
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just a, you know, an argument that got yeah. hand. All couples have arguments. Yeah. etc. I've been reading a lot about recently there's this has been in the American news about restraining orders because mm-hmm. have you heard of the uh bachelor and bachelorette Sorry. TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reality show. So yeah. one of the bachelors who the girl that he like won with like Mm -hmm. he chose to be engaged to or go home with or whatever yeah um she they split up this past year and just over the past like month or two she put up a restraining order against him because he was doing really creepy stuff like showing up at her house showing up at her parents house getting like a fake number and harassing her and telling her that he was getting the same kind of harassment from this weird person when it was just him all along. It's anyways, so dark. It's really dark. I was listening to this podcast about it, and apparently when you go to court and file a restraining order, that other person has to come to court too. And there's uh, no yeah. protection for you. Yeah. There's no, like, you could be sitting next to that person. Inside and, or outside the court. Yeah. And it, with court... There's like a line of court cases, so you could be waiting at court for six hours, sitting next to this person, and well, there's no fucking protection. Gun. <laughs> well, you can't bring a co- you can't bring a gun into court. I hope they're so. a
1: fucking good metal detector, but I mean, like when you know when you turn up to court, like they know you're going to be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So now there's a, um, I forget what it's called, but there's an organization where they're basically guardians for the person who has to go to court and they just basically like block their vision from the other person
1: that's so nice
0: yeah all they do is just like stand there so that the other person can't be in their vision
1: what a lovely thing to do! I'd do that, although you might yeah. get shot. But still,
0: you won't get shot. i I went to court <laughs> earlier this year, and
1: no, but I mean outside of court, showing up. Like,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: I'm. I mean, I'm super like gun vigilant because we don't have guns here. So the right. thought of anyone having one ever, yeah, freaks me the fuck out because it's yeah. so instant. Like, it really is. Even if someone stabs you, like, even if, if unless they get a clear shot of your neck. You're kinda yeah. gonna be okay, like if someone yeah. intervenes. You have uh,
0: time to like put your hands up and stop a stab.
1: But a bullet.
0: But like, a bullet. Yeah. I mean I don't
1: I'm not trying to be a cunt and scare you, but like it does scare the shit out of me.
0: No, I understand. I when I saw my brother this weekend, he was like, Oh yeah, I went out to a bar with a couple of our cousins and one of my cousins' friends. He just had a gun in a holster at the bar.
1: Well, I went to Memphis, and they're very kind of uh, relaxed in their gun laws. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people can get, like, a carry license. So you can get, mm-hmm. like, a carry.
0: Conceal and carry, yeah. Or a
1: conceal and carry, right? Are they different? Yeah. So a carry is just, like, it's on your fucking person. A conceal and carry yeah. is it has to be under your jacket or in your trousers or whatever. And
0: Yeah, or you could, like, women put it in their handbag or whatever. Yeah.
1: And then you can only have it inside your house or inside your car, or
0: yeah, I'm not sure. The obviously because I don't have one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, do you know what Carly asked the other day if you did have a gun?
0: I was like, no, no of course they don't. <laughs> I have people very close to me who do. People who go hunting and then people in California who just have it for protection. Um, do I ca- know anywhere? in California? California. Uh, I know of people who do, but more in Minnesota, I have a lot of family members. Minnesota, so. they,
1: and, and also the thing is, California, you're not really going to go hunting for moose. But like, in Minnesota. If you can. Can you?
0: Yeah. Gosh, Rachel, I mean, I'm so naive. naive. <laughs> There's tons of woods and animals. I don't know what the laws are, but. I think California um, is
1: Hollywood and San Diego and San Francisco and that nice place we went to where Elvis' house is, and that's pretty much it.
0: Palm Springs. That's the one. <laughs> yeah There's no wilderness. Yeah. No, there's definitely. There's those. so much land and mountains and animals. Yosemite, the redwood forests, all that kind of stuff. But no, I don't know the hunting laws in California. I do know more about them in Minnesota because people are really into it there. So mm. yeah. Have you ever been hunting? No, I don't think I would like it.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think I would like it either.
0: Uh, someone was telling me about how they go hunting with their bow, not a gun.
1: Wow. A That's old school.
0: So, yeah. Like fucking um,
1: Sheriff of Nottingham old school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he was like, I'm a never... We were standing in the backyard and, you know, it was just a normal backyard. And he pointed to the fence and he was like, I'm never further than that when I shoot a deer with my bow. What do they do with it? Do they eat it? Yeah. It's a very intimate experience. Yeah.
1: Wow. I don't know if you've been following, but uh, there's a podcast that I love called True Crime Bullshit. And they did, I've we've mentioned it before, but if if this is like first time listening kind of thing, they've listened to, uh, sorry, they, he basically did a podcast on Israel Keys and now he's doing one on Kelly Cochran, who's, like, a, yeah. a American female serial killer, which is super rare. But yeah. he did one on Israel Keys, and Israel Keys grew up with this super religious family who basically, like, lived in the woods and built their own hut and da-da-da, like, away from society. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Israel Keys was a really good hunter, and then, like, later on, with his victims, he would, like, stalk them, like, mm-hmm. through trails and woods and rural areas, like... Yeah. He lived in Alaska, he lived in Washington on a Native American um reserve. Reserve, that's the word. Yeah, cuz he he went out with a woman called Tammy who was like half Native American or fully Native American, right. I can't remember, but she yeah. lived on a reserve and like he was really into it and, and basically he would stalk people through the woods and yeah. They would go missing in the national parks and he said to FBI investigators like People think that there's missing people or that it was a boating accident or that it was a hunting accident mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it was me. That is so petrifying.
0: It really is. Oh my it's, God, it's awful. It's like he was hunting. Yeah, but people, it's yeah. fucked. And like guys that go
1: like, oh yeah, I went on a trek. I went on a hunt on my own. I went on a trek through the forest. I'm like, I could never do that because no. I would constantly be on my shoulder and I would enjoy it on no level.
0: I would not sleep.
1: no. Like I would be clutching a fucking uh, arsenic laced needle to my <laughs> chest and just fuck that man. It's just I that don't...
0: probably is the point where you would have a gun.
1: Yeah, that's what guns are for. But still, if someone's fucking, ha- I just don't. I just don't enjoy being away from civilization like that much,
0: right? Because
1: right. I've made myself so paranoid through these podcasts yeah. and others. <laughs>
0: I know every day I think of something that it's like, oh, my gosh, I could be hit by a car right now. I'm just walking down the street or my roof could <laughs> cave in. Or I don't care about that. Like some crazy person could come up and just <sighs> stab me with a piece of glass. Who no, knows? I,
1: I have the straight like human execution is my least favoured. Like, if something accidentally, like, plows into me, I'm kind of all right with it. But, like, if yeah. someone tries to murder me, I find that really offensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you?
0: <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah.
1: And Yeah, I like to think that I could, like, fight back or whatever. Um, yeah. Which I probably couldn't because I'm just too busy sort of daydreaming about absolutely nothing.
0: Do you know what I always think of? Do you ever watch Miss Congeniality with Sandra Bullock?
1: I mean like i have watched it but i feel like i remember it to like a normal level <laughs> like, what, yeah. like teenagers remember it to
0: there's a scene in it where it's like she's doing like her talent okay and she's like okay i know what i'm gonna do and she goes up on stage and tells her like detective partner to like come and like attack her from behind oh it's a self-defense she, thing like yeah, so she's, she's I forget the word that she spells out, but it's like, you stamp on their foot, mm. you elbow them in the back, and then you do, you like, hit them in the nose with your, your palm, mm. and then you do something else. And it's like, I always think of that. And if someone attempted to do that, would it actually work? Probably not.
1: Well, so me and my brother Tom, the one that chucks bricks into TV's, obviously <laughs> yeah.
0: we so it, it was like
1: his 30th birthday i think or maybe even i can't remember maybe, maybe a bit later but he basically my parents were away and i said oh it's like it's tom's birthday like um should we just have a little thing around ours and my mom was like oh yeah. we're away that weekend so basically tom and Haley, his uh fiance now and mother of his child and mother to his second child very very soon they came around and we we were just drinking in the garden and then conversation moved on to self-defense and obviously tom was the bloke so like me, me and hayley <laughs> were like right try and do this to me and we'll try and do this and um yeah we did the old like put your hands around my neck and yeah. i'll basically put so you put your hands in a prayer position yeah, and then you push hook, hook them through the middle of the arms right? and then right. you push down onto the arm yeah. that's around your neck and they just like come come away from you. And we did yeah. those kind of things. And then it proceeded on to <laughs>
0: happy birthday, <laughs> happy
1: birthday. And then it proceeded like, you <laughs> were like, you and your brother are weird. I'm like, no, we're not.
0: <laughs> this is what brothers and sisters do. We do
1: self-defense moves on each other um it's yeah. just like wrestling but grown up basically I was telling him about the golden state killer where you put uh plates on your where he used to put plates on someone's back and they were oh, hogtied yeah. and then they try and get out yeah. of it and I told him yeah. about it and he was like I could get out of that I was like you fucking can't and he was like I absolutely <laughs> fucking can't I was like right get in the kitchen So <laughs> like put a pile of plates on his back and I hogtied him <laughs> and I was like like right, of that and he was like no it's actually impossible and then he yeah. was like, you do it. And I was like, no, it's impossible. It's impossible yeah. without making
0: a noise. Especially with, yeah, plates on your back.
1: Yeah. And so um, I put that in the early days of the My Favourite Murder group before it went fucking ape shit. You know, the whole yeah. thing. Well, before, yeah. and, and for all those murderinos out there, I know you remember what happened. It was like Watergate from, <laughs> yeah. from My Favourite Murder. Um, and I put, put the picture there and like everybody was like, I love your brother. Is he single? I was just like, <laughs> no, he's not single. And then somebody else was like, um, "This is fucking gross. So I can't believe you would do this." And then like everyone oh, else, yeah, pa- everyone I else piled in that. and was like,
0: "Fuck you!" <laughs> yeah. Like, look at the group this you're is part too of. Too insensitive.
1: Look at the group you're part of. Like, I don't know how anyone yeah. gets on their high horse about murder shit when they're in a group about murder shit. Like, it's absolutely mental.
0: Listen, none of our listeners are like that.
1: I know they they're not. They switch us because... off
0: and tell us that they hate us if we insult Ted Kennedy.
1: Cliff Richard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's come forward and said they they're, we've insulted them for saying something about Cliff Richards. No,
1: but I was watching a very old school program called uh, Men Behaving Badly, which is like... Um, okay. Yeah. Do you know it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's just like a really old... Oh, I don't know what It's like a... it's it's like a sitcom basically um in the uk and i was watching that and somebody said something about cliff richard being like girlfriend with someone and i was like yeah i didn't know cliff richard had a girlfriend like ever and then my friend sarah was like yeah that was his beard
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i'm sure dude that guy you mark my words his days are numbered All right, should we end it on that no. I mean,
1: we have been going on for fucking hours. We've
0: talked for a while. Yeah, Thanks but I've had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> My Again. cousin Sam was like, she was like, you guys should talk forever. Like, I love listening to your tangents. Oh, so, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sam. Oh, well, hello. Yeah. You are great. And you were Miss Irish something at a yes. festival. Yes. <laughs> that's how not drunk I was in Vegas. I still remember that story. So um, well done for being Miss Ireland something. And thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, thanks. Okay. It's the St. Patrick's Association in Minnesota, which is a nonprofit and you can give them money (laughs) if you want. So I'm just redeeming you to listen.
1: (laughs) Uh. Oh God, it's great. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, love you guys. Speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Transatlantic Crime this week. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at
1: TransatCrimePod, Instagram at Transatlantic Crime, and on Facebook with Transatlantic Crime Podcast.
0: Thanks. Bye. <laughs>